We are going to be in Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, and we're going to read the whole chapter. So we're going to read verses 1 through 18. So uh, this is You Are Not an Outcast, part 2. We're going to just kind of pick up some of where we left off. Ruth chapter 3. All right, we're starting with verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be, when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down under the floor, and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Verse 9. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch that thou, as thou followedest not young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another, and he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. And then just to recap, in case you uh, forgot more of the details, but this is the story of Ruth, the book of Ruth, and uh, Ruth was the one whose husband had died, and her mother-in-law Naomi was going to go back to Bethlehem, 
And even though Ruth was uh, from Moab, she was a Moabite, she, um, even though she was from there, she would not leave Naomi. And she went with Naomi to Bethlehem. And once they got to Bethlehem, Ruth went and gleaned from the fields. And she gleaned from the field of Boaz's. And Boaz had favor on her, and he had them dropping handfuls on purpose for her. And, uh, uh, and was just very nice to her, and, and she found grace in his eyes. And we related that to Christ and us last Wednesday. So now this is the next part of the story, because even last Wednesday we, uh, we read chapter 2, and now this Wednesday we're reading chapter 3. So here, um, it's just, just an awesome thing. I'll kind of break down this uh, chapter really quick, and then we're going to go individually uh, from some of the verses and relate it to us. But I'm going to break down just, just about what's going on as far as uh, that, that time was concerned a little bit. But uh, Naomi says, uh, why don't you go wash yourself, and you're going to go down to the floor because Boaz went with uh, his barley tonight, which basically means he was preparing his grain. And uh, uh, he even called it the floor. So what he was doing was he was separating the grain and getting it ready to actually sell or to store or whatever he was going to do with it. That's what he was doing. And they kind of made it, uh, it would seem, a little bit of a celebration. They made it a little bit of a celebration because they were happy that God had blessed them with the barley. They were happy that God blessed them with uh, some of the passages here call it corn, but it was barley. But uh, it was basically their crop. God had blessed their crop so much that they just wanted to enjoy that. So it says here that Boaz would go and eat, and then when his uh, heart was merry, he would go and lay down to rest. Well, they would have their fun. They would feast. And they would enjoy the fruits of their labor. And then Boaz was going to go lay down. Uh, I think it says he would lay down at the floor. Which basically just means where they'd done all the work. So like the barn or whatever. He was going to go and lay down. And he was basically going to kind of protect it. Because people, you know, the, the no good people would realize, oh, they're doing that. And if nobody's protecting it, we can go steal some. Well, he was going to lay there and stay there to protect it. So Naomi saw this... Uh, uh, opportunity for Ruth to be able to go to him because Boaz hadn't done anything or said anything to uh, he hadn't made a move he hadn't made any kind of a move and uh, there's speculation in some commentaries that I read that uh, they're not really sure why Boaz hadn't made the move but whenever he says a little bit later about how she didn't go after the young men then it may have been Boaz's age that kept him back because Boaz was more the age of Naomi's husband. So, uh, and Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. So uh, Boaz was quite a bit older than her. And so that may have been what kept him back, but we don't really know. But he didn't actually seek after her and go make a move on her. So Naomi can tell that they have a connection and she wants to try to help them along and she sees this as an opportunity. So... That's kind of some of the breakdown for that part. So we're going to look back at verses 1 through 5. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. That's what I was trying to call it. The threshing floor is where he was at. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. So she wants her to go take a bath, 
put some perfume on, get to looking all nice, just go look kind of nice, and you're going to go down to where he's at. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And then Ruth said, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. So Naomi had been observing Ruth and Boaz, and she could probably see that they had a connection. Whenever somebody likes each other, you can usually kind of tell it. So Naomi had been noticing that, and she said, Hey, you know what, Ruth? I would like to help you find rest for you. She says that there, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Naomi wants to help them out. She, she uh, doesn't want Ruth to have to be a gleaner in poverty for the rest of her life. She wants Ruth to be able to have her own house. She wants Ruth to be able to maybe find love again so that she can be fulfilled and not living in loneliness. So that's what Naomi's saying. I want to find rest for you. I don't want this to be all there is to your life. And so uh, she, she tells Ruth these things and Ruth agrees to follow all of her instructions. So Naomi is guiding Ruth into what she can do to be fulfilled. So she's kind of like a soul winner for Christ. Whenever we want somebody to come to know Christ, we want them to come to know rest. We want them to be able to live for more than what they're living now. We don't want them to have to live for, for the world or, or for whatever, for money or for whatever they're seeking after. We want them to be able to have real rest, to have real fulfillment. So, so Naomi's kind of in this story, we can parallel that to her being like a soul winner, a soul winner who spreads the gospel so people can know him. She gives clear instructions in love and Ruth agrees to tell, to do all that she tells her to do. So then in verse 6 we see uh, she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold a woman lay at his feet. So Boaz went to sleep. And then at some point, he kind of startles. Something kind of is like, oh, you know, you startle awake in the night. And then he realizes there's something at his feet. And he kind of bends forward. It's a woman. There's a woman at my feet. So Ruth comes, and uh, she lays down at his feet. And here, let's just see what Boaz says. He, and he said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. <coughs> so it startles him that there's a woman at his feet. So he's like, well, who are you? And so then she tells him, well, you know, I'm Ruth, and uh, I'm your handmaid. And then she says, spread your skirt over me, for you are a near kinsman. So what she is saying is that, uh, uh, in a way, I guess she's kind of proposing to him. But basically she's saying, hey, you know what, you are somebody that's related closely to us and according to the law you can marry me and take my uh my husband's my dead husband's land and marry me and then we could raise up seed which means they could have a baby and then that baby boy hopefully would grow up and be able to inherit that land and they would inherit it based on just as if ruth and her former husband had had a baby it would that that baby would have all of those those rights so that's what she's trying to say 
you can marry, would you marry me and redeem me? Because I am in a low estate. There is no, we have no children. Naomi and then her, her son and I did not have any children. There's no way for anybody to inherit this land. Basically, my husband's name is going to die when I die, and it's not going to go any further. So she's asking him to redeem her, to lift her up out of that place, to redeem her husband's name. So she, she comes and lays at his feet uh, until morning. And I, I do want to put in here that this all happened in the utmost purity. Ruth went seeking redemption, and Boaz received her in all innocence and purity. Ruth didn't go there to trap or to seduce Boaz into doing something that would make him feel obligated to marry her. She wasn't going there to get him into a situation where he would be like, oh, well, I better marry her now. No, she went in, in purity and she went in holiness. She went to just say, hey, would you redeem me according to the Hebrew law? So she opened the door for him to act. Because up until that time, he hadn't sought after her in any way, even though it was obvious that he favored her. I mean, dropping handfuls of your crop on purpose for a woman, you've noticed her, you know. So she came and offered herself to be totally his, and they were both in agreement when it came to the moral law. She stated her request, and he answered her. Nothing sinful or physical took place between them. <coughs> Ruth was completely putting herself into Boaz's hands, though. Boaz could have acted however he wanted. He was a man. He was stronger than her. But she trusted him and she knew that he would act with, uh, uh, he would act honorable towards her in that secluded situation. So when we come to Jesus for redemption and salvation or any need that we have, I'm probably going to be referring more to salvation and being redeemed from our sin, but we can put this into perspective with any need that we have coming to Jesus. But when we come to him for salvation, we must come with a pure heart. We can't come to Jesus trying to seduce him to give us what we want. Oh, Jesus, you know, we'll all... I'll sing a song in church if, if you'll just, uh, you know, answer this prayer or I'll do this in exchange. You know, don't you want me to be in to be doing this for you? We can't seduce him. We can't be like, hey, coming to him with these these worldly thoughts. We must come to him in purity and be like, oh, you are holy and I am not. And I come in in that kind of pure mind. But we can't seduce him to give us what we want while we still hold on to our sinful life. You can't expect to come to Christ with intentions of never fully becoming his. Ruth went to Boaz saying, hey, I'm giving myself to you if you will have me. She wasn't going to keep part of herself back for anybody else. She was going to be totally his. And that's the same that we come to Jesus. We come to him and we say, hey, I am going to be totally yours. And I, am, I just want you to redeem me, Lord. So <clears throat> we lay ourselves down at his feet as Ruth did. And we're saying, what you want with me, I want you to do it. I'm just asking for redemption. Whatever you want from me. I'm here, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do, Lord. Because if you remember, that's what Naomi said. In her instructions, she said, whatever he tells you to do, that's what you should do. And it's the same with Christ. Whatever he tells us to do, we should be willing to do. And we can always, another thing is, is when we do that and we are vulnerable to Christ like that, we can always rely on him to treat us with purity, just as Boaz did with Ruth. 
We can uh, rely on him to treat us with purity and can have the utmost respect for him. Jesus will always be honorable toward us, even in our most vulnerable state. The most vulnerable state that you can come to Jesus, I don't know, you fill in the blank. You've just committed the most horrible sin you can ever imagine, and you come to him. You're not, he's not going to stomp on you, but he's going to be there, and he's going to treat you with the utmost respect. Um, we don't need to be nervous about bearing our innermost self to him. He's not going to laugh at us or turn us away because I've, I know what it's like to be laughed at. You know, you can say the, what's on your heart and you can say the most inner thoughts that you have and then people can laugh at it and you're just like, oh, well, that's not what I expected them to do. I expected them to treat me kindly. Jesus will never laugh at us or turn us away when we bear ourselves to him. We don't have to be scared to tell him what we've done wrong. He's not going to gasp and go, how could you have done that? He's not going to say that to us. We don't have to be wringing our hands as we try to think of a way to ask him for help or wisdom in a particular situation. He won't ignore us and he's not going to say, hey, figure it out on your own. He's going to act as Boaz did here. And then we're going to go to that verse, verse 10. And he said, Boaz, Boaz said, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followedest not young men, whether poor or rich. When Ruth states what she wanted, Boaz didn't go, why you forward woman, what are you doing here all alone at night sitting at my feet? He didn't say that. He didn't say, leave me alone and then just go back to sleep. No, he said, blessed be thou. He blessed her. He was happy that she came to him for help. He wanted to help her, but something was preventing him from doing that. He had reached out to her, but he had never actually fully redeemed her. You know, he had reached out and was trying to provide for her by helping her in the gleaning fields like we, read, we, we talked about last Wednesday. But he never fully picked her up and said, hey, would you marry me so that I may redeem you? So like I said earlier, the only thing that it mentions here was his age that maybe held him back. Whatever the real reason may be, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that Ruth had come to him to ask for redemption, and he didn't turn her away. He said, blessed are thou. You showed kindness. And so we must come to Jesus for redemption. He's not going to sweep in and pick somebody up that's in the, 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 the pit of sin against their will. He's not going to just go pick them up and dust them off and clean them up because we must come to him. Uh, He doesn't tear them away from their sin. We must come to him and show our vulnerability and our need of him. He is called our savior for a reason. We need saving and we need help and we need him. And the only way we can get that is by asking, by coming to his feet and begging for him to be a rescuer, just as Ruth did. So then in verse 11, uh, Boaz continues what he's saying. And he says, Now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And so what Boaz is saying here, basically, in, in my opinion, 
yeah, I've already looked into this <laughs> because he already knew he wasn't the nearest kinsman. I'm not really sure if that was just common knowledge back then or if somehow he had already looked it up and been like, hey, how near of a kinsman am I? But he on the spot knew, well, I'm not the nearest kinsman and somebody else is going to have to go and be talked to first. And if he will redeem you, then we must go by the law. And the law says that the nearest kinsman redeems. And so he was upstanding and he wanted to go by the law. Let's see what I've got here. Boaz tells Ruth not to fear and that he's going to do exactly that she has asked or that she is required to be redeemed. But then he lays out a plan of how he's going to go about this. He is going to abide by the letter of the law and make sure that the kinsman nearer than him has a chance to fulfill his part first. Boaz wasn't going to do anything that would give the slightest blemish to his reputation or to Ruth's. He makes a solemn promise by the Lord that he will do what he says he will. Because he says, as the Lord liveth. So he was promising he was going to follow through and do that. So Jesus is and was willing to do all that we require for redemption. He didn't miss in the law anywhere, but he fulfilled every single thing. He laid out a plan of salvation. And he didn't miss any part as he lived on the earth and as he died on the cross and as he rose again. He went to hell. He got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He overcame it all. He, he laid out his plan and he fulfilled it. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't have a blemish in his reputation. He fulfilled it all so that we can be saved. So that he did it all so that mankind can be saved. And that sounds very broad. And it covers all of humanity whenever we say that he, he died for everyone that has ever lived and ever will live. And that's just so awesome. So awesome that he died for every single person that lived in every single era, in every single country, of every single age, no matter what age they died. He died for them all. And so, uh, but he has a more personal plan for each of us. He knows our background and he knows our hearts. He knows if we feel like an outcast like Ruth did. He knows if we are an outcast like Ruth was. We are not some kind of a weirdo that he doesn't get or that he will never understand because we all have people like that where we're just like, I will never understand that person. Jesus doesn't feel that way about any of you or about anybody. He gets it. He knows. And whenever we come to him and lay at his feet, he says, oh, I understand and I love you. Now, he wants us to turn away from our sin, and he wants to, to save us from that. But whenever we come to him crying out, he is there and he hears us. To him, we are not an outcast. We are a lamb that has gone astray, and he is longing to gather us into the fold again. And he is willing to go that extra mile and do whatever it takes to bring us into his will and plan of salvation. And he has a plan for how he will redeem each of us. He, he, he already knows. It's not like a cookie-cutter salvation where everyone has to repeat the exact same prayer or get saved at an altar or any other ideas that anybody thinks must take place for salvation. It's not just a one, one way of how to get saved. There is one way, and that's Jesus. And we must confess our sins, and we must believe that he died and rose again. But you don't have to be at a specific spot to do it. You don't have to say the magic words in order to do it. He has laid out a plan for your redemption, and he is ready to carry that out. All you have to do is come lay at his feet. You just have to come to his feet. And then he goes, here's the plan. 
This is what you're going to do. And that's how I'm going to redeem you. And he is so happy to do it. He's so excited to do that for us. Jesus knows all about our situation. And when we come and lay at his feet, he is ready to respond to us in a plan that he has already laid out for us. So thank God we are not outcasts when we come and lay at his feet. He gathers us in and he loves us. So uh, verse uh, 14, and she lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also, he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went into the city. And so Ruth lay at his feet until morning. And like I said earlier, that was all that happened. It was in innocence. Boaz, willing that no one would speak ill of them, though, had Ruth get up before daylight and have her go ahead and leave so that neither of them would be talked about in a, 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 a bad way. So he got up and he gave Ruth more barley. He had already been throwing handfuls out for her to glean and she'd already gleaned a lot, but then he says, no, come here. Here, hold out your veil and I'm gonna measure some bar- barley to you. And uh, it was a fair amount, cause I'm not sure exactly how much a measure is, but uh, it was a fair amount because she had to hold her veil. And I'm just imagining one of those long pieces of fabric they put on their head. She holds it out and he puts it in there and then she kind of folds it up. Maybe she even tosses it over her shoulder. So I'm assuming it was probably a fair amount. Uh, he had given her a token in a way saying that he was going to do all that he said he would. And this was going to show that he would keep his word. So when Ruth walked away carrying that barley... She knew she had spoken to Boaz, and she knew she had received favor in his sight. I just love this. She couldn't second-guess herself. She couldn't walk away and go, did that really just happen? Did I dream that? Because all of that went so well. I don't know. Did that? But no, she looks down at the barley. Oh, no, it happened. I've got this barley here, and Boaz gave it to me, and I know it happened. So she had something tangible that she could keep with herself as she walked home. So she knew he was going to try to be her redeemer, even based on that. He gave her something to show that he was going to keep his promise. She, uh, let's see here. All right, so when you come to the feet of Jesus for redemption and receive his promise of redemption or any need that you have, what has happened between you and him is between you and him. So uh, no one has to tell you that you have received his promise in his life. When you get saved and you get up, you don't have to have somebody say, oh, I know you got it. No, you know you got it. You know it because you're the one that has had that, that experience and that life-changing, born-again happening between you and God. You rise up before anyone can know the difference, and the only one that can tell what has transpired between the two of you is you. And uh, I'm not saying that no one should be around when you get born again or just talk with Jesus, not at all. But just saying that you are the decider of what has happened. And then once we are gloriously saved by the blood of Jesus, he has us spread out our veil and he pours a blessing in us. He doesn't let us go away empty handed, but he gives us something that we can hold on to and know that we have been with him. It could probably be different for every person. Whenever you've come before Jesus and whether you've gotten saved and you've been redeemed or whether you've just come to him with a need in your life, he pours something into your veil and he lets you know, hey, you've been with me 
and I and you need to remember you've been with me. So it it may be different for you than it is for me, but maybe he he sends it in the form of a peace or relief or just an overflowing joy. He he gives you something that you can hold on to, and as you walk away like Ruth did, you go, "Oh man, did that really happen? Did I just get born again? Did I just touch the throne of God?" And you look down at what he's put into your veil. You look down at your barley and you go, "Yes, I did. Yes, I did just talk to Jesus. Yes, I did just get born again because Jesus has poured this into me. You know, you just know that you've been with Jesus and he's agreed to redeem you. He has called you his own. And when you look down, you have no doubt that you have his promise of redemption. So then verse 16, and we're about to close and wrap this up. So uh, it says, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Verse 18. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. When Ruth comes back to Naomi, Naomi asks her, who are you? And that seems kind of like a dumb question. Well, who are you? I know who you are. You're my daughter-in-law. But I, 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 in some of the uh, research that I've done, she was kind of saying, whose are you? So what she was asking is, do you belong to Boaz now? Whose are you? Have you, have you changed from who you were? So Ruth tells her all that happens and then shows Naomi the barley. When Naomi sees the blessing that Boaz sent, she says, oh, wow. He will not rest until this matter is settled. So Naomi, Naomi comforts and encourages Ruth, saying all this because she sees the evidence in the barley that Boaz will follow through with what he has said he will do. She can see the love and determination in the veil full of barley. So when we receive Jesus as our Savior and he becomes our Redeemer, we have changed ownership. We no longer belong to the world, and we no longer rule ourselves. We have given control over to Jesus, and now he is the boss. In so much that people can ask us, whose are you? And now it's a different answer than it was. I'm no longer the gleaner having to pick up the scraps, but now I'm a child of the king, and his royal blood flows through my veins, and I am his. We can rest assured that Jesus is going to perform all that he said he would do. He will continue to shape us. He will continue to guide us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will present us unblameable to his Father. He will prepare a place for us in heaven. He will come back and he will rapture the church. And like Boaz, he will not give up until it is accomplished. He will make sure everything is accomplished that he wants to be done. We are redeemed. And so we are not an outcast in Christ. So I just wanted us to uh, go over that and to talk about that because I just find that just so awesome. And then I did tell you last Wednesday, but just in case you forgot, the, the kinsman that was nearer than Boaz did not redeem her. And Boaz and Ruth did get married. And they did have Obed, who had Jesse, who had King David. And so... God can use us in any state that we're in. He used Ruth. He let Ruth come to Boaz. We can come to God. We can come to Jesus in any state that we are in. And he will receive us. And he will love us. And he will redeem us. So I just want us to 
maybe pray and just see if there's anything that we need to lay at his feet today and uh, just have a little bit of time of prayer and just know that he will receive you. He will redeem you.